On Monday, Boston College has their bowl matchup with the ECU Pirates. Today, I'm joined by Mitch Wolf to talk all about it and give our previews and predictions. All of this and more on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. Happy Christmas Eve, everyone out there. Can't believe it's December 24th already. And with me today, I have my writer from bcbulletin.com, Mitch Wolf. Mitch, how's it going? It's going great. Um, today in our works, at our, my job's holiday party, I won a 50-inch t- flat-screen TV, so that was pretty cool. Dang, man. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I got a $25 gift card, so I, I'm not anywhere in the na- same uh, league as that. But yeah, man, that's, my, fa- uh, my fiance is a veterinarian and she, for some reason today, was just telling everybody that their dogs had cancer for some reason. Then she gets a text from me saying, hey, we got a free TV. So kind of a two, two worlds scenario there. Yeah. <laughs> so Mitch and I, and, and just in general, we've had a ton of content coming out about the bowl game. But before we get into the, our last conversation before BC and ECU, I feel remiss that I need to bring up um, unfortunate news about the Lindstrom family as the matriarch, Don Lindstrom, uh, the mother of Chris and current Boston College Center, Alec Lindstrom, passed away from a long battle of cancer uh, this week. Unfortunate news. I know she was battling that for a long time. She's a great woman. Um, you know, great. You know, Alec and Chris are great kids. And, um, you know, she, she's going to leave a, a big legacy. So I just wanted to make, make that very clear. Um, and my thoughts and prayers go out to the Winstrom family. I know this is a tough situation. Alec put it up on Instagram and I saw um, his former coach, Brian White, put stuff up about it. And um, my thoughts are with the family. I, they, they, a lot of them listen to the show and um, I'm thinking about a lot of you guys. Seconded. So, Mitch, do you want to say something? I just said seconded. Yeah. Um, so that with that being said, um, let's look at the bowl game. So. Yesterday, I had the ECU guys on and all of them picked B- ECU to beat BC, which when you when you I feel like at this point, when you when you invite a, an opposing uh, podcaster onto your site, it's just like inevitable. They're going to pick their team to win unless it's someone really bad. Yeah, um, we would do the same. I know. Went the other way. <laughs> exactly. So I, and I'm, I'm guilty. I, I think I picked BC to win probably 11 games this year. Uh, <laughs> if, if, yeah, if I was on another show. So um, but this is where we're going to kind of give our previews and predictions. Mitch, you know, it's now three weeks since we found out where BC was going. What are some of the storylines that you're looking at heading into the game on Monday? I think the biggest one is how is this offensive line going to play? You know, ostensibly, um, it may be this may kind of be the precipitating factor for Alec Lindstrom not playing, which, you know, again, that's that's definitely OK. You know, fully respect that. Um, but, you know, the, BC doesn't have a ton of depth at center. You know, their backup is probably Drew Kendall is a true freshman. And, you know, he's probably been getting some practice time. So that's good. But just, you know, can this offensive line play well with ostensibly some of their best players missing? You know, we still don't know about Zion Johnson and his opt out status. So that's one big storyline. Another one is, you know, what kind of Phil Jerkovic are we going to get? Are we going to get the Georgia Tech um, Colgate? Phil Jerkovic, or are we going to get the Florida State or or Wake Forest one? Um, so that's something to watch. In terms of the defense, you know, we got good news that Josh DeBerry is going to be playing. That's fantastic. Um, and I think the other, in terms of just how the defense plays, you know, will they be able to get pressure on Holden Aylers? Uh, You know, this defensive line has not been the best unit on this defense, but, you know, as the ECU guys said uh, yesterday, uh, 
the offensive line is not particularly good and Holton Naylor's, you know, sometimes holds the ball too long. So, you know, can this defensive line that hasn't been able to get a ton of pressure throughout the season, can they kind of switch it up and play, you know, above their capabilities against DCU? So the first thing you brought up the offensive line, first of all, you know, obviously when you bring up the Lindstrom situation, you also have to, you have to, it's fair to, to say that there's going to be a change obviously, cause he's not going to be there. So that means Drew Kendall's going to get his first start. Um, how big of a change is that going to be having a center? That's a true freshman out there. I think that that is pretty huge because, you know, I think Phil or Halfley or both have talked about how, oh, I think it was actually Emma Moorhead who talked about, yep. um, you know, having how, how valuable a player Lindstrom is for helping him, you know, set the projections, change the, uh, blocking scheme all kind of on the fly and how he recognizes certain things and communicates that to the rest of the offensive line. So when you take out a you know three-year starter who's been an all-conference player the last few years and put in a true freshman who, granted, very highly touted recruit, one of BC's highest touted recruits in history, um, but, you know, hasn't really played any, any meaningful snaps, that's just a huge change. So, you know, you kind of shift a lot of that responsibility to the quarterback, maybe to some of the other offensive linemen who are more experienced, you know, mahogany is kind of the young guy there but he's had a lot of playing time so you know maybe he can help out kendall with that um but yeah that is a, that that could be a big loss and again like i i'm not too concerned about ecu's pass rush but you know if, if bc does start to lose guys that are veterans and great players that could kind of give them a boost and i have to say i'm a little concerned and this is all just um observational um it's um not actual uh, evidence. It's more circumstantial stuff. But I, I had to say that I noticed on today's blog that BC does their blogs when when practices are close to the press where they kind of just release what they want to release. There was absolutely zero pictures of any offensive linemen. So I, I was a little worried about that because they're not showing – they had Jakovic out there. They had Zay Flowers, Marcus Valdez. They showed all the big guys. They, and they're usually very good about showing those offensive linemen. They love to brag about them. There was no pictures of them. So that's a little worrisome to me that those guys were not there. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, again, like I I think that I would, with that being said, I would imagine that BC has kind of known the status of which offensive line are playing, which ones aren't. So they probably just keeping that quiet, but they've probably been giving those younger guys more reps. So, you know, it's not like um, Kendall and then, you know, whoever would theoretically replace Zion Johnson, you know, Jack Conley, Ozzy Trapilo, or, Finn Durstein, you know, they've, they've been giving them the reps in practice. So it's not like they'll be coming just off the bench cold without a complete surprise. So, you know, they'll be as prepared as they can be, but obviously, you know, the lack of experience and talent is a bit of an issue. And so I remember, I remember when they first had their, I think it was their first bowl practice. They had media availability. I thought it was kind of odd that they had uh, Zion, uh, not Zion Johnson, Ozzy Trapillo and Drew Kendall available for press fr- press availability. I was like, maybe they're just doing it to get freshmen, you know, in front of the press and getting them some practice with that. But I thought that was kind of just interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, anyways, that was just something I thought of. Now, in a moment, Mitch and I are going to talk about uh, our predictions and I want to go over some of the things that the Boneyard podcast brought up on our our show yesterday and get Mitch's takeaways about what they thought about their team and what he thinks about some of the things that they brought up but before we do that it is bet online time have you checked out betonline.ag? They have you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues its march through the college football season and the pro football playoffs, BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. 
Just use our promo code Locked On to receive that bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all their amazing offers throughout the year. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online, where the game starts. This is AJ Black, Locked On Boston College. We are wrapping up our coverage of the military bowl uh, the prep to the military bowl because they're going to be playing on monday and i want to get the preview out because i know everyone's busy with you know christmas festivities not everyone's gonna be listening to the podcast on friday give it to you so you can have it on friday saturday sunday even on monday because monday you know the game's gonna be at i think two o'clock two thirty. so mm-hmm. yep i'll be there <laughs> oh, oh yeah mitch is going to the game so we'll have uh, someone live at the game um he won't be covering he's going just to, to have fun and enjoy it so uh just check that out but I wanted to go back to some of the things that the guys brought up yesterday. I thought the Boneyard podcast did a really nice job. I really enjoyed talking to both of them yesterday, but they brought up some interesting things about ECU um, and gave some good depth about what their team's strengths and weaknesses are. Mitch, I know you were saying earlier, I know, I think you listened to the show. What Mm -hmm. did you, what were some of the takeaways that you got and how did you think their weaknesses match up based off of what they said to how BC plays? I think that the biggest thing that I thought was interesting is from a BC standpoint was how they mentioned the issues that the defense has had with busted coverages and poor tackling. Um, you know, that's something that I think BC sh- should be able to really exploit with guys who are, you know, lethal after run after the catch threats, like Zay flowers, like Jalen Gill. Um, and, you know, even if they get some, if with how I expect uh, ECU to run their defense and, and uh, in terms of how much zone they use, I would imagine BC will be trying to kind of run a lot of confusing passing concepts that will, um, kind of create more of those busted coverages. And then after the catch, you know, we've obviously seen what Zay and Jalen can do. So they should be able to get a lot of yards that way as well. And they, they obviously, as I said earlier, they felt confident that BC doesn't line up, uh, that ECU lines up well with BC. And I, 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 on their show, I agreed with them on one point that four teams like ECU, and I, I didn't realize this until I talked to them, that this is their first bowl game in seven years, mm-hmm. um, which is a big deal for them that I, I take a lot of respect for these lower conference teams coming in to play a power five school and the motivation that they get out of that. I think it's a big deal. I think it's something that's not, um, it's not a tangible thing, but I think it's something you could see on the field. Um, do you, do you agree with that kind of stuff? Or do you think it's just something that, you know, a lot of just people just say, and it's not really all that true. No, I think that is definitely a factor, you know, and it's kind of, it kind of runs the gamut. Like, you know, you, and sometimes you'll see it where, you know, if you think back to, I think it was 2014 or so, or at some point when Alabama played Utah in the sugar bowl and Alabama didn't really care because they missed out on the BCS championship and Utah just boat raced them uh, kind of happened the other year, a few years ago when I guess it was last year when Georgia and Cincinnati played in the, uh, Peach Bowl and you know Georgia won but they had a lot of guys opt out and Cincinnati took them to the wire uh, so you know I think that when those those bigger matchups is definitely apparent I think in this case it's a it's it, it is a relevant factor uh, maybe it's not enough to kind of change the result in my mind but I think that I know they mentioned a lot of these guys are young so they're pretty new to the program along with that coaching staff so you know I think that that is that will be a big motivator for them um, I just still think BC has the talent advantage and I think that uh, they'll also have a coaching advantage as well. So I'm going to ask you, I love, I love to ask this question because I, I want to hear your perspective on this. Now we've talked about the offensive line. We talked about Jakovic and Zay flowers a lot. I think that's been like the, the overall um, like the big factor going into this game, 
But I want to talk about the X factor, like the, the under the radar player who could have a huge game in this. And I know Mitch, you always have like someone that you think from Boston college that could like step up. Who is your X factor for this game? Uh, I think <laughs> that for, for this role, I think it, it honestly could be a guy like a Marcus Valdez or um, a Brandon Barlow, you know, they're kind of, these are two, this is their last game for BC. Essentially they've been here a very long time. Um, they haven't necessarily had that great pass rush productivity as you've talked about, but as I've said, you know, I do not really trust this ECU offensive line. I don't see Holt Naylor's as this. I know that the EC, the Boneyard guys said he can kind of create as a runner and that's more about physicality. It's not as much about athleticism and, you know, kind of we've been BC has seen some really elite running quarterbacks this year and like Malik Cunningham and to a somewhat lesser extent, Garrett Schrader and Jordan Travis as well. Um, and Ehlers just isn't that kind of guy, you know, if, if uh, Barlow and Valdez can get pressure on, they should be able to bring him down or at least get him, get him to a point where somebody else can sack him. And I think that this could be kind of a, a nice swan song for those guys where they come out and, you know, get a lot of pressure on Ehlers, get some sacks to finish out their BC career. So I, I look at the edge defenders. I think that they could have a big game uh, in the bowl game. And the other question, I wanted to get your perspective on this. They asked me, do do I think that BC is going to be amped up for this game? And I said, absolutely. I think that one thing that halfway does is motivate his guys. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to look at this game just like any other game and be ready for it. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. You know, I think that um, I think on what you could take it kind of both ways. I think some might say, oh, they kind of finished the year on a down note. You know, they lost their last two, one close and one in a blowout. But I think when you have that time, for a team that, you know, kind of disappointed in the year overall in this, in this scenario, I think that this is going to be like, all right, like we're going to come out and win this bowl game to kind of, you know, that's how we're going to go into the offseason. We're going to go out in a high note. And I think that that's going to be the case for BC. And like you said, Halfway is a really good motivator. Uh, this is, this is the, this is his first bowl game. You know, this is the chance for them to get to another winning season. Um, and I think that they'll really take that message to heart. You know, this is a team that I think is going to come out angry. I think they are frustrated with how the season went. Um, just in terms of the wins and losses and, you know, despite a lot of players individually playing well, and I think they're going to want to kind of change the narrative on the season by finishing off with a strong win. All right. And yeah, I, I agree too. And the final question, and I had a hard time answering this because I, there's just so many factors going into it, but I think I'm starting to settle in on what our predictions are going to be. Mitch, I'll let you go first. What's your prediction for Monday's game? I think I said 31 to 20 on the show earlier this week and i might shift that down a little bit in terms of scoring um probably like 28 17 i'll take a few points off for both teams there um because i expect bc's defense to play pretty well um as long and the, the, the boneyard guys talked about this as well you know they do have a pretty good running back in keaton mitchell um he is he is very reliant on explosive runs and that is something that bc has struggled with um at points in the season but i think that with kind of their full complement of defenders, especially in the front seven. I think they'll be able to kind of limit that problem. So I, I think 28-17 will be my final, and I think BC is going to put the, put a nice cap on their season. Yeah, I mean, every way I look at this game, I think Boston College should win it. And other than maybe ECU comes out just blazing out of the out of the gate um, and then maybe catches them flat-footed. But I just, I just don't see, like, I don't see Halfley going out and having his team unprepared. I think they're going to be ready to go. And I – and hearing the ECU guys say some of those things, as you mentioned, the busted coverages, I'm like, Oh God, if I don't know, I don't know. I haven't looked to see what wide receivers they've had to cover this year, 
Um, but if they're having struggling, uh, struggling with busted coverages and they let up and it like something against Zay Flowers, good, good night. That's seven points right there. You know what I mean? Um, and, and Trey Barry too. Trey Barry's another one that take that eats up that kind of those kinds of mistakes. So yeah, a big, a big part of that is because from what I saw, they play a lot of zone coverages. Um, and I think that, and when you're in zone, there's a lot more kind of movement and rotations. And that's why that issue happens. And when you're playing a superior athletic team, like BC is relative to, uh, ECU, you're going to see a lot more of zone coverage as well, because I think they're going to be scared of leaving their defensive backs on BC's receivers in a, on an island in man coverage, except for their one cornerback, Jaquan McMillian, who leads the nation and passes a defense. So he uh, on BC's defense, keep an eye out for him. I think he's going to be a guy at BC's going to try to avoid. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like what they've done at ECU. I love their head coach. I think, you know, getting the guy from James Madison is mm-hmm. a great. Yeah. He's, he's like, he's won everywhere, you know? Yeah. He'll get and he, and he's moving that program in the right direction, mm-hmm. but this was a team that's, you know, and not there yet. So I think it's going to be another year or two before ECU really explodes, but watch out for this team in like 2023. I, I'm, I'm guessing that he's going to have them cruising. Mm-hmm. I would agree not, with that. You know, I don't know if they're going to be at the level of Cincinnati, but top 25 team, I could totally see that. Yeah, um, they could be like like uh, like SMU kind of is yeah. right now because SMU is going to be kind of declining with losing their coach and some and so a lot of their coaching staff, honestly. So I think ECU, I definitely agree with the ECU could kind of rise up and be that, you know, second tier in the AC, AAC. I, I just think they're one year away from that, mm-hmm. yeah, like to sure. beat a team like BC. Yeah, the, the Bonier guys mentioned like their team is so young, like there's so many, you know, sophomores and, you know, second and only third year players. So, you know, once those guys get more experienced, you know, they'll definitely be a team to contend that it's, it's going to be a contender. Yeah. So I, I got BC winning 31 20. Um, I, I okay, like just, BC's. Just steal my score. That's cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go. Hey, I, I got my inspiration from a good, good source. Um, go. I, I like where BC's at um, offensively. Um, you know, I, I almost want to say that they're off their defense could even hold them to less than that. I don't, I, I want to respect ECU, but part of me almost thinks this game won't even be all that close. Um, I just think that if BC plays well, if Dracovic is healthy and he plays particularly well, I mean, the offensive line could be something to be a little bit concerned about. I definitely think that's going to be an issue if they're missing multiple guys and there we already know one's missing. Um, but I, even if with that, I think there's a lot of talent that they could just plug in. Torpillo's got, experience uh jack conley has experience as you said you know a lot of guys they can just plug in that are you know talented players so i i like bc to win this 31 20 now in a moment we're gonna move on from military bowl talk to talk about the transfer portal and i want to get mitch's take on where boston college uh, could be looking to add um some talent but don't Let's look at the built bar first, because that, you know, if you know me, you know, I like the built bar this holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than the candy bar. It's the built bar. It's my favorite because it's filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugars, net carbs, and fat and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds. It's delicious and healthy. And there's a ton of flavors. What I love about Built Bar is if you go to Built.com, you can see all the specialty flavors. They have tons of them that come up all the time. And, uh, you know, those are my favorites. You can get all sorts of goodies there on Built.com. Now, because Built.com is um, has such a great relationship with the Lockdown Network, they have a special deal for you. If you go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15, you're going to get 15% off your order. So head on over because some of those those bars are so good. They get me through the day. They'll get you through the day. I think you'll really enjoy them because they taste like a candy bar and they're actually just a protein bar. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. 
This is AJ Black. Again, Merry Christmas Eve to all of you out there. Hope you have a great holiday with your family and friends. Um, you know, I do a whole bunch of things covering Boston College. I have BC Bulletin. I have Locked On Boston College. I also have a forum, which I, I have turned into the Wild Wild West by just letting people say what they want. And I kind of just, I stay back and let you guys chat about whatever you want about BC sports. But I listen, I read, I read to hear what you guys have to say. And one theme that I've saw, I saw someone bringing up the other day was someone saying BC needs to have a top 25 transfer portals group. They need to continually to add tons of guys. And first of all, I want to address that because I, don't, I know not all of you guys listen to Jeff Halfley, but if you listen to any press conference, he said it like five times now <laughs> the last year, I'm not living in the transfer portal. That's what he's, he, he makes it very, very clear. That being said, he will add, I think a, a few players. And I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised with Halfley. You know, we had like what, five guys, six guys last year. I think the numbers are going to start to dwindle as he gets more and more of his guys through the system. So you could get a few this year. I'm not expecting a huge class. I don't know where they're going to go, but that's what I want to talk to Mitch about. Mitch, if if Halfley hits the transfer portal and, and on BC Bolton, I've already listed a few targets, and I know we have a scouting report on one uh, coming out today uh, that people can check out. What positions do you think that he's going to address in the portal? Right, so I'll hit on that one first. And I think it's definitely interior defensive line. And the reason why I say that is, you know, theoretically i think shibuzi on wuka could come back for another year but he's you know coming off a pretty big injury he's definitely an older player so he might just be like you know it's time for me to hang it up um and behind him i would say on the interior bc is relatively thin at defensive line um you know cam horsley i really like cam horsley a lot um especially with how they're kind of shifting this defense to be uh, get their defensive line as great pass rushers. Um, Isaiah Henderson was a little bit of a disappointment for me this year. Um, but then I liked Chris Banks, the temple transfer. Um, and there are two freshmen, Owen Stoudmire and Nigel Tate are really interesting, but you know, I think they would like some more experience there. Um, and the one guy, and this isn't necessarily experience, but the one guy that I'm very interested in is Marcus Bradley, who is a, uh, transfer from Vanderbilt, who BC is interested in apparently. And he's a bit of a hybrid player. Uh, he's six, three, two seventy to 75 ish. Um, and he was recruited as an interior defensive lineman, but at Vanderbilt, he played a little on the edge, a little on the inside. Um, and I like that versatility for how BC wants to play defense, especially along the line in that they want some guys along the interior that are kind of in that, this is going to be hard to say succinctly, but in that more modern style of defensive interior defensive lineman in that they can really hold up against the point of attack um, as run defenders, uh, usually using two gap and gap and a half principles, um, but then, so they're not necessarily as, you know, great pass rushers just in terms of um, getting upfield and getting penetration, but they want to be solid uh, run defenders on the inside. And I think that Bradley can do that based on his size and profile. And he offers the versatility to do that. You know, if they want to rush him as a defensive end on early downs, they can do that. And then they kick him inside on passing downs that can happen as well, especially with, ha- with the kind of defensive end BC's recruiting in these smaller, faster guys. Um, watching Bradley, he's definitely got a lot of refinement to do, but I think he has a really interesting physical skill set that BC could be interested in. All right. And so another position I saw, I, you know, I've been covering is it seems like they could be adding some depth in the secondary, you know, losing Sean Asbury, uh, losing Brandon Sebastian, who's hitting the, he's doing the senior bowl, um, not senior bowl, the uh, shrine Shrine game. game. Mm -hmm. Um, so you have two guys down. You, you want to add a little bit of depth there. You're going to lose JT Thompson as well, who is more of a depth player, but you could add some guys. Mitch, what do you think they're going to look at in terms of secondary help? 
I think they could go after both corners and safeties. And I think that, you know, we saw, you know, JG Thompson come in. I think that, you know, defensive backs could be interested in BC because of Halfley's reputation, along with guys like Azor, Azar Abdul Rahim. Um, Cause right now, like you said, like BC is pretty thin, you know, they've got six guys who I think next year who are kind of have been on the roster and have some experience. Uh, but be it behind that it's pretty thin. And at corner we saw, you know, you can get that corner, that position gets beat up pretty quickly. And once you start really digging into the depth, it can become problematic at safety. I'm a little less concerned um, just because there is some experience. There is some depth there uh, to bring in a guy like Sione Hala, who's going to be a massive player for this defense. Um, but, you know, in terms of starting behind the starters, um, there isn't a ton of as much experience. You know, it's Jason Matry and Jane Lars Woodbay and Connor Grico played a little bit in 2019. And then after that, it's a lot of guys who maybe have been on the team for a few years, but just haven't gotten a ton of snaps. And then a few freshmen who are just pretty, pretty new. Um, but so I would say like, if they wanted to get like a third safety, I, th- I forget the guy you mentioned from Samford, um, that could be somebody who could be kind of a depth player, role player. And then corner, I think it could be another guy like JT Thompson, you know, a guy at a lower level school who has had a good career, but is looking to make a jump and maybe kind of fight for some playing time. Um, so the defense, defensive back is definitely another position that I think they could bring in a guy or two, uh, in the transfer portal. Yeah. And I, as I think you just said it perfectly, it's Chris Edmonds from Sanford, uh, okay, but like, that's a perfect type of player. So for those folks that are like, we need a four or five star quarterback, it's not happening. I don't think yeah, that's and, what- and, and like that. And that's, I think you, know, the, you mentioned the post on the forums about somebody saying, you know, getting a top 25 transfer class, which that's pretty much not going to happen unless you can secure a, uh, a big time quarterback, which again, BC doesn't need, and they shouldn't really be wasting their scholarships on, you know, I think Emmett Moorhead, you know, he did struggle in his one game, but I think he flashed enough talent that he is somebody that you do want to invest into the future. But like you said, a few episodes ago, like there's not going to be a high level quarterback. Who's going to like the whole point of these, tra- of these quarterbacks transferring is so that they can play immediately. You're not transferring to BC to, you know, compete with Phil Dracovic for a starting gig. So that's just an unrealistic, uh, desire for to getting you know a highly touted quarterback and in the transfer portal and i know some folks out there and i don't want to i don't want to sound combative i just want to let you guys know like this isn't just like my opinion this is stuff that's true <laughs> this yeah. is not like me and mitch just saying that like these guys are entering the portal you're not going to get a five-star quarterback like you're not going to get um Bo Nix. I'm just going to throw his good because i don't want Bo Nix. i would <laughs> never want Bo Nix ever in my life uh keaton slovis Let's see, that would be, yeah, see, that'd be more, but again, like, you know, if, if, so here's, here's my one, maybe exception. Like if it was a guy more so in the mold of like a Quinn Ewers and obviously, you know, he's like one of the greatest recruits of all time or whatever, but like a guy who has only been in a program for a year and is saying, you know, like, you know, ostensibly Dracovic can be here, be at BC for probably one more year, maybe two. I don't think that's likely. Um, so you kind of say, okay, I'll come in and like, I'll, I think I can beat out Emmett Moorhead for the starting job next year. It's like, okay, like that makes a little more sense, but I just don't think that, you know, some, a, a guy like that is going to go to a place where he has to waste that one year of eligibility sitting behind Dracovic. So, you know, and I, I really, you know, again, like we saw how the season kind of fell out, the bottom fell out of it when Grossell had to come in after Dracovic went out. But again, I don't think you want to waste that scholarship spot on a guy that frankly doesn't really exist. And you have to also realize too, that, and if you do that, right, if you went out there and you brought in a guy, not Quinn Ewers, but in the, like, say there's a four star, someone out there and I don't have the names in front like of me. Like Casey Thompson, who was uh, the starter for Texas for most of the year. He's in the portal now, too. Right. If you brought him in, 
not only would you most likely lose Moorhead, you could possibly lose Peter Delaportis. You could lose mm-hmm. Matt Reeve. You lose most of your depth because they're going to get pissed off and leave. Mm-hmm. But also that all as Halfley, Halfley has said that he wants to develop. That's going to make his job that much harder because now he we're at a school like BC that just can't like, they're not a blue blood. They can't just go out there and get guys in. They have to sell the program. And you've got to believe that a school like BC, even if they're playing well, if they piss off all their quarterback recruits, other schools are going to notice that and use that against Boston college. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I could agree with that more. And I, I think this is where, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, college is so different from the NFL. But I think this is where you kind of see the similarities in that, you know, teams want, you know, I would say good teams want to draft and develop players, you know, keeping them around, you know, when, if you're building your team exclusively through free agency or the transfer portal, you know, that's not going to build team chemistry. It's going to, you know, again, I am in favor of the transport. I'm not, I don't feel like Dabo Sweeney does about it, but you know, if you're just using it as a measure to, you know, plug some holes in your team uh, when there's been kind of off years and recruiting or something, that's fine. But if you're using it to, you know, try to fill every hole or try to com- like build out your roster completely. That's just not going to work. And, and for the quarterback discussion, I still believe in a year, Emmett Moorhead could be the answer. Absolutely. Like, no question. I think he just, he was a true freshman and hadn't played in a year. So like, mm-hmm. I think he's a guy. I like him. I think that's a good one. Um, anyone on offense before you go, Mitch, uh, anyone on like any offensive positions you think they might look at? I think the one I would say would be um, kind of an interior offensive lineman. Um, if you're maybe a guy who's uh, maybe a graduate and kind of just has one more year and wants to, you know, maybe he like really wants to get a good business degree at CSOM. He's like, Oh, I can go and like have another year of football. And cause right now uh, a beast, the, the depth along the interior is a little tenuous in my opinion, you know, for next year, it's ostensibly, I would think it's going to be Ozzy Trapilo, Drew Kendall, Christian Mahogany, maybe Finn Durstein and Blair and Rustemi. But behind that, it's a lot of kind of walk-on type guys. Uh, so I would want somebody who maybe has some playing experience, uh, ideally at center who, you know, if Kendall's struggling or even, even a guy who can kind of help develop Kendall for, uh, along the way. Um, so a guy, you know, can kind of be a stopgap if there's a problem. I'm trying to think, you know, under Adazio for all his faults, you know, they did bring a lot of those kind of guys. I think there was the one from Rhode Island, Dwayne Scott. Um, this guy was a tackle, but uh, Jimmy Lowry, you know, just kind of like guys, you know, just to have another body in there because like cornerback, you know, once you have like one or two injuries on the offensive line, you have to really start digging deep for depth. And that's a problem. All right, Mitch, um, where can people find you on social media? You can find me at Mitchell T Wolf, W O L F E. As AJ mentioned, we're going to be having my scouting report on uh, Marcus Bradley coming out. Uh, I believe when this episode airs, uh, and then, you know, after the bowl game, uh, I'll be having my kind of recap of that game, uh, how BC is going to move forward. And then I think by that time, we'll start getting into BC football postseason awards and all that, which is a very fun time of content season. Yeah. And we'll be jumping right into recruiting season too. That's mm-hmm. usually my, my, my bread and butter. And just, just in case you have not been following, I talked to tons of recruits. I talked to Boston college. I have sources within the program who give me a lot of good information and uh, premium members will get a lot of the insider stuff that I know. Um, and that'll be heating up soon. Um, usually right after the bowl game, we'll start to get really um, fired up on all that. But I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to Mitch as well. Um, thank you all for listening. And thank you for making us your go-to Boston College podcast throughout the year. Um, we'll be back. We're all, almost up to 300 episodes. I can't believe I've been doing this for that long. <laughs> um, but thank you all. And um, make sure to follow me on Twitter at AJBlack underscore BC. Take care, everyone. And we'll see you all again soon. Take